Welcome to the Pull Up and Here podcast hosted by Jacob Grayville. In this episode, we are going to be talking about the wild, wild card weekend. And we are also having our first guest on the show, one of my good buddies back in home. And we're just going to talk about whatever he wants to, I guess. I don't really know. <laughs> uh, I'm recording this Sunday and we're recording his part tomorrow. So I guess we'll figure out more then, but it should be a pretty good episode. We have a lot to unpack in the beginning with the uh, wild card weekend. It was a really fun weekend to watch. Uh, I almost hit my wild card parlay, and just recently the Steelers decided to poop their pants. But going to the first game, we have the Bills and the Colts. It was a fun game to watch. I thought the Bills were going to win like pretty handily, and the Colts, Philip Rivers in the in the first quarter, Philip Rivers just played really well, and then he remembered that he's Philip Rivers and he's not good in the playoffs or in clutch situations. But it was twenty four uh, to twenty seven. Buffalo won, and Buffalo is playing the. Baltimore Ravens next Saturday at 8.15. I think they'll beat the Baltimore Ravens, but the Ravens also did look good today. Notable stats from the Buffalo game is Josh Allen threw for 324 yards with two touchdowns, and he ran for 54 yards and a touchdown. Another just really good game from Josh Allen. He keeps proving that he is arguably the second-best quarterback in the league. Maybe he's top three at least. Um, Phillip Rivers, he threw for 300 with two touchdowns, surprisingly no interceptions. That's usually his stat line, two touchdowns, one interception. Jonathan Taylor, he ran for 78 yards and one touchdown. Jonathan Taylor, his rookie season, he had 1,200 yards, which was third, he had 12 touchdowns, and he averaged 5 yards a carry, and he was only 8th in attempts. He The last week really helped him out because he did have like 250 yards, but even without that game, he's still top 5 in yards, and that's really impressive for a rookie, and I'm interested to see what he does in the future. Stephon Diggs just had another Stephon Diggs game. Six, yard, uh, six catches, 128 yards, and one touchdown on nine targets. He's just really good. His seasons so far, he's first in catches, first in yards, 15th in touchdowns, and then 64th in average. But first in yards and first in catches to show you how good their duo are, is, I think that they are the second-best duo behind Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, mainly just because Aaron Rodgers is going to win MVP, so it's hard to argue that he's not part of the best duo. I never really thought the Colts were going to win, but there for a second I, I was scared. They had that you know late play. A lot of people were saying that the Colts got screwed over, but I think the Bills almost got screwed over because that was clearly a fumble in the fourth quarter. And if, like, that would have definitely changed the game if they would have ruled it a fumble. But other than that, it was a fun game to watch. Nothing, like, too crazy. And then the second game we have is we have the Los Angeles Rams and the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, Seattle was absolutely 
getting pooped on this game. They did not play very well. Russell Wilson did not play very well at all. And the Seattle defense was just not good until the second half. Uh, Russell Wilson threw for 174 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. His QBR was 17.6. That can't be right. That is incredibly low. Uh, John Wolford, it might have been a different outcome because he got hurt in the first quarter. And I don't know. I think it was a bad hit. I think Jamal Adams should have got a penalty. It wasn't targeting because, you know, he wasn't a defenseless player. It wasn't helmet-on-helmet contact. I think it was a, you know, personal foul because he did dive at the guy. But Jared Goff came in with a broken thumb, threw for 155 yards and a touchdown. So he did pretty well. Cam Akers was the man of the game. 28 carries, 131 yards, and a touchdown. That's really good for them. That helped them seal the deal. But the main thing that helped them was their defense. Their defense wreaked havoc all game. Jalen Ramsey clamped down. Uh, DK Metcalf did have 96 yards, but one of his, uh, his big yards were he got 50 one yard catch I think a 51 yard catch if I'm not mistaken and that was just like yeah DK Metcalf 51 yard catch so and Jalen Ramsey wasn't even on that so if you take out that catch he only has I'm not very good at math 41 45 yards so Jalen Ramsey played out of his mind of course he, he only had three tackles, but uh, Aaron Donald had two sacks. Leonard Floyd had two sacks. Morgan Fox had a sack. And that's just – it's hard to get mad when you get sacked five times. Like, it's hard to complain. I mean, that's just bad O-line, not good elusiveness by Russell Wilson. But, I mean – I was hoping the Seahawks would win, but I bet the under, which was 51 and a half. So I got really scared for a second, and then thankfully they kept it at 50. The Seattle Seahawks fan base is a little annoying, so I'm glad the Rams won. I don't think the Rams are going to make a Super Bowl run. Basically, the main reason is because they are playing Green Bay Saturday at Lambeau Field in L.A. and Green Bay are clearly very different climates, and it's going to be interesting to see how they play. I think the Packers are going to win. I think the Packers are going to go to the Super Bowl. But the Rams do have the, a lot of momentum, so I could see them upset the Packers. But my original prediction is that the Packers win by around 10 to 14 points. So the third game, the last game on uh, Saturday, was the Washington football team and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I was very hopeful because Heineke, I was like, it's his first like big game start. I really was hoping for a upset because even though they were the four seed, that's just because they were in the NFC Beast. They wouldn't have made the playoffs if they were in any other division. But they did make the playoffs, but everybody thought they were going to lose. 
they ended up playing pretty close. Like it, it was eighteen to seven at halftime, and then they came back and they made it a game. It, uh, it was at the end of the third quarter. It was sixteen to eighteen. So everybody was like, "Oh, this, you know, Heineke, he might win this game." He threw for 300 yards, a touchdown and an interception, but he also ran for 46 yards and a touchdown. He played about as good, if not better, than you could have wanted. Tom Brady still threw for 381 yards and two touchdowns. And Leonard Fournette, I um, on the on a website, he was projected to the there was a bet that was over under 22 yards. He ended up getting 93. So. That was very fun to watch. I like Leonard Fournette. Uh, I think it's good that he got out of Jacksonville because you could tell he clearly did not want to be there. And I think he's going to be good for uh, the Tampa Bay. Uh, Receiving, Mike Evans had six catches, 119 yards. Cameron Bray had four catches, 80 yards. Chris Godwin had five catches, 79 yards. And Antonio Brown had two catches, 49 yards. So he... uh, Tom Brady really got all the receivers active this game. And, you know, that's very important in the game. If you can get everyone, if you can get four players basically over 50 yards in a game, it's it looks really good and it helps you out. For Washington, Cam Sims, seven catches, 104 yards. I've actually not really heard of Cam Sims. He is, this is his third season. He has... Like, he don't have a lot of stats, but he only had 477 yards going into this game, and he got 100 this game, so big game for him. Terry McLaurin, six catches, 75 yards. And Logan Thomas, their tight end, got five catches, 74 yards. A lot of people have him, the Washington football team, drafting Kyle Pitts if he makes it to their pick. I don't see them drafting a tight end because Logan Thomas – he did play really good this season. Like, they weren't crazy numbers. But for a tight end for an okay team, he did pretty well. Uh, I thought they were going to lose. They did lose. But they did play a lot closer than I thought they were going to do. It actually made the game entertaining, which was fun since it was the last game of the night. And it was a night game. Everybody was watching. I kind of like this, how like every game is by themselves, like nothing else is going on for NFL. And that's really fun because you can fo- sit there and focus on one game. And it's a lot better to focus on a fun game than focus on a boring game. And then we head into Sunday. Baltimore Ravens and the Tennessee Titans started it off today. Baltimore started the first quarter down 10 nothing, And I was like... I thought it was a potential blowout. It was on pace to be 40 nothing. I knew that Baltimore would have scored a re- uh, sometime, but I was afraid. I was kind of worried the Tennessee Titans were going to win. I thought Derrick Henry was going to run all over them, and it was the complete opposite. Baltimore Ravens defense stepped up in the second through the fourth quarter. They only allowed three points in the rest of the game. It was really impressive to watch. Lamar Jackson had 179 yards, 
and one interception, and then he had 136 yards rushing with one touchdown. He had a 48-yard touchdown that changed the whole game. Uh, all the momentum Tennessee had was taken out of the stadium, and after that touchdown, I was like, okay, they're going to win. But like I said, he played He played again. He played like Lamar. This is what everyone expects from Lamar. 17 uh he went 17 for 24 passing, and he had 16 carries. And that's about what everybody expects from him on a good day, and that's what they got. Uh, J.K. Dobbins also ran for nine carries and 43 yards and a touchdown, and then Gus Edwards ran for eight yard, uh, eight carries for 38 yards. And then Derrick Henry, El Tractacito, everybody thought he was going to come out and run all over them. He had 18 carries for 40 yards, and zero touchdowns. He only averaged 2.2 yards a carry. That is a terrible game for him. Every time they lose, he does have a bad game, and I always thought that the only chance the Ravens had was if they shut down Derrick Henry, and they did that amazingly. Their defense played out of their mind, and they play the Buffalo Bills next week, and their only chance they have next week is instead of shutting down the run, they have to shut down the pass. Ryan Tannehill and the Titans aren't the greatest passing team. Nowhere near the Bills. The Bills are one of the best passing teams in the league. And they allowed 165 passing yards with Ryan Tannehill. So if they get... They have to get turnovers against the Bills to win. That's their only shot. They only had one turn... They only had one interception today. Against the Bills, they'll have to get two or three against Josh Allen for them to win this game. They're not going to win straight up, just a shootout because they can't score as well as the Bills can, and they've proved that multiple times this season. And the second game today was the Nickelodeon game. I don't know if anybody watched it on Nickelodeon. I hope you did. It was fun to watch. The broadcasting wasn't the best, and the announcers weren't great. Nate Burleson was fun to listen to. I haven't heard about him in a while, but that was fun. The girl kept acting like she was Cardi B. I didn't know if that I was. I didn't know if that was more disrespectful or just a bad impression. It was really annoying, and I just didn't like her personally. But all in all, it was a good game. Chicago, they shouldn't have been in the playoffs. I'm glad they were there. I don't think anybody would should be mad that they were there. It was a okay game to watch. It was never like close really. The closest it was was seven to three at halftime, but after that, it kind of, you know, nobody thought the Bears were going to win. The Bears could have won easily. Coaching wasn't the best, and the playing wasn't the best. Mitch Trubisky threw for two hundred yards and a touchdown. David Montgomery only had thirty-one yards on twelve carries. And there's no like nobody played crazy. I think the craziest play of the game was with no time on the clock. Mitch Trubisky, no chance of winning, just throws it up. Uh, Jimmy Graham's there. He catches it one hand, goes in the end zone, and then just runs straight to the locker room because I guess he just didn't want to talk to anybody. It was kind of a call out. It was kind of funny to watch. But the Saints, Drew Brees, threw 
265 yards and two touchdowns, so a pretty, it was a good game. And Kamara, just short of 100 yards rushing, he only had 99 and a touchdown. And he also had two catches for 17 yards, so he had over 100 yards total, but it wasn't a crazy game by him either. I thought 21 points was pretty low for the Saints against a pretty good Bears defense, but not as good as other teams that they've played. They do play Tampa Bay next uh, Sunday. I think that'll be a fun game. They, I actually saw a stat that they have the biggest uh, point differential in a divisional round game when they play somebody. They've played the Buccaneers twice already, and the point differential is somewhere like – it's like 45. They've beat them by 45. And the three teams with the largest before them all lost that game that they played. So, technically, the odds might be in the Buccaneers' favorite. And it's hard to beat a team three times. That's, like, a fact. So, if I had to put my money on it, I would probably bet on the Buccaneers to at least cover, maybe not win, but I do think they'll cover. Uh, Yeah, but other than this game, it was really cool to see Nickelodeon. I hope they do it again. I don't know if they will. I saw on Twitter there were a lot of mixed emotions. I was sad that... Nobody got slimed during the game. Like, right after the game, they wanted to slime Sean Payton, but they couldn't because he already left the field. But I saw on Twitter he ended up getting slimed, so I guess it went pretty well. So the last game of the uh, Wild Card Weekend was probably the wildest one I've watched. It was the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I watched this game. I thought the Steelers were going to either win or at least like, be competitive in the first quarter. They got the ball to start the game. And then right off the bat, Mike Pouncey snaps it right over Ben's head. And then Ben and James Conner miss the ball. And the Browns score a touchdown. And then they go on to score four more times unanswered. It was the first time in a playoff game somebody scored 28 unanswered points in the first quarter since 1969. And also, it was the first time the Cleveland uh, Pittsburgh Steelers went down 35, allowed 35 points in the first half in the playoff game in like 40 years or something like that. So it was a historic night for the Cleveland Browns. I really thought in the first half, 35 to 10, I was like, the Browns are going to kill them. And then, of course, in the second half, the in the third quarter especially, I was like, the Browns are going to choke this. They ended up winning, coming out on top. It was a good game all around. Baker Mayfield threw for 263 yards on 34 attempts with three touchdowns, no interceptions, and he did not get sacked, which is really impressive because Steelers, they pride themselves on their good defense. He didn't get sacked one time, and that just shows how motivated they were this game, especially their O-line. Nick Chubb had 18 carries, 76 yards, no touchdowns, and then Kareem Hunt had 8 carries, 48 yards, and 2 touchdowns. A lot of people argue they have the best running back core in the league, and I'd have to agree with that. I think they do. Nick Chubb, really well. He's played really good all season. He, when he wasn't hurt, he was arguably a top 10 back. And Kareem Hunt, he's always been good in the NFL. 
he should still be on the Chiefs, but he had that mishap. The Browns took a chance on him, and it's paid off amazingly. For the receiving stats, Jarvis Landry had five catches, 92 yards, and a touchdown. Nick Chubb had four catches, 69 yards, and a touchdown. And Austin Hooper had seven catches, 46 yards, and a touchdown. So, Baker Mayfield threw three touchdowns of three different receivers. That's always fun to see. Good distribution of the ball. For the Steelers stats, Ben Roethlisberger threw 68 passes. He went 47 for 68. Even if they won this game, they would have lost the next one because I guarantee Ben Roethlisberger wouldn't have been able to look at a football without his shoulder hurting. He's probably still in the locker room right now with 18 packs of ice on his shoulder because his shoulder was crappy. It's been crappy for a long time. Throwing 68 times in a game cannot be good for him. There's a lot of talk that he might retire. That would be a really bad game to retire on, but it would also be a good reasoning to retire. He threw for four touchdowns, four interceptions, and 500 yards. That's, I mean, 500 yards is crazy. That's insane. And four touchdowns is really good, but the four interceptions is the reason they lost the game. But And... It's four interceptions. It's hard to win any games. Even if you're playing the New York Jets, it's hard to beat them if you throw four interceptions. Rushing, Pittsburgh Steelers, they basically don't have a run game. But James Carden threw thir- uh, ran for 37 yards and a touchdown. His longest run was nine yards. That is very embarrassing. And then Benny Snell had two carries for 13 yards. For the receiving stats, Juju Smith... He is probably one of the most hated players in the NFL right now. TikTok has ruined the Steelers. If I was the Steelers, I'd make an ultimatum to Juju Smith, and I'd be like, you either don't post a TikTok on game day ever again, or you get traded because he is bad mojo. They were the cockiest team in the NFL, which they – they could, they could be. They were 11-0 at the time. They were cocky. They thought they were already getting the Lombardi Trophy handed to them. And then they started playing good teams. And they lost uh, four of their last five games. They go into the playoffs, and then they lose in the first round. They are, I think, the fourth team, somewhere around that, to start the year 11-0 and then lose in the first round of the playoffs. That's very embarrassing, and I'm glad I'm not a Steelers fan. I would rather my team not make the playoffs like they didn't and then go as the three seed and lose to the Browns. That's very disrespectful, especially since they are rivals. But Juju did play good. He had 13 catches, 157 yards, and a touchdown. And then Deontay Johnson had 11 catches, 117 yards. And James Washington had five catches, 72 yards. Ebron had seven catches and 62 yards. And then Chase Claypool had five catches, 59 yards, and two touchdowns. And Ebron also had a touchdown. So they had a lot of players over 50 yards catching. They had five players over 50 yards, which is really good. But then they also threw for 500 time, uh, yards and 68 pass attempts. I, if Baker Mayfield threw for 68 pass attempts, uh, he'd have over 502. That's absurd. So the playoff picture now, like I said earlier, 
The Rams play the Packers at Green Bay on Saturday at 4.35 Eastern. And then the Baltimore Ravens play the Bills at Buffalo at 8.15 p.m. on uh, NBC. And Buffalo, they are allowing fans now. I don't see them losing at home. They might lose to the Chiefs, you know, for the AFC Championship. I'm still rooting for Bills Mafia. Their fans need this. Their fans want this. I really hope it happens. And I do think they are the second-best team in the NFL. I think if it was the Super Bowl between the Packers and Bills, they'd win. And then I think if it was the Chiefs and the Packers, I think the Chiefs would win. So, no matter, I think whoever comes out of the AFC wins the Super Bowl. That's just my, that's my prediction, but I might be wrong on that one. The And then Sunday at 3.05 p.m. Eastern, we have the Cleveland Browns at Kansas City Chiefs. Cleveland, they're on a real big momentum. They're really high right now. They argue that they're, you know, the best team, which every team argues is the best team. But the Browns, I don't see them winning this. I think they will keep it moderately close. And I actually think they'll go in at the end of the first quarter leading because, like I said in the last podcast, the Chiefs love to go down and then come back and not let the team that they were losing by, by 12, score again the rest of the game. That's the Chiefs' specialty. They've been down 10 times this season. And so I'm calling that they'll be down at least one point in the game to make it 11 times this season. But I do think the Chiefs will come back and win. And then you got the five-seed Tampa Bay Bucks playing New Orleans at New Orleans at 6.40 p.m. Eastern. Like I said, it's hard to beat a team three times, but I do think the Saints are a better team. The Buccaneers' offense, though, has been looking like a top-five offense this, uh, the past six games, I'd say. They are playing lights out. Tom Brady's playing really good. I think they finally figured it out. They got it together. Their offense has been playing lights out. The Washington uh, football team, their defense is number four in the league. They put 31 points on them. That was impressive. But the Washington football team's offense was 30th, I believe, and they allowed 23 points. The Saints won a top five offense, and they have a top two defense. They're ranked number two in defense. So it's going to be interesting. I do think the Saints are better than the Buccaneers. But Tom Brady, in the playoffs, anything can happen. Never count Tom Brady out in the playoffs. So it's I think that will be the closest and the most fun game to watch. And other than that, yeah. So then I have the Saints play the Packers and the Bills play the Chiefs. I said this earlier. I think the Packers will beat the Saints, and I think the Chiefs will beat the Bills, but I'm hoping the Bills beat the Chiefs. And then whoever wins the AFC will come out of the as the Super Bowl champions. So that is my wild card weekend and future divisional round matchup preview. Now we are going to have the first guest of the podcast, and it is my hometown buddy, Elijah Adkins. And today we're going to be talking about UFC and then some other stuff, whatever he really wants to talk about. And we're going to be talking about UFC mainly because he's not a huge sports guy, 
But one thing he is passionate about is, is UFC and boxing because he actually wants to be a UFC fighter in the future. And I think he has a pretty good knowledge of it. And I know nothing about it. So it's going to be it's going to be a good interview. So stay tuned. How are you doing, Elijah? I'm doing good, man. How's it going with you? Yeah, I'm just, you know, living life in this COVID era. Getting ready to go to college. I leave in two days. So that's going to be interesting. I can't wait to be back. But I am going to miss my hometown buddies, such as you. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of glad I'm not going back to college. Or not going to college at all. But we'll see what happens. I mean. <laughs> Alright, so to start off, we're going to be talking about UFC because January is such a huge month for UFC this year. There are three big uh, events going on, and we're just going to let Elijah share his opinions and you know talk us through the uh, talk us through the fights. So first off is Saturday, January sixteenth. We have UFC Fight Night, and it's Max Holloway and Calvin Qatar. And there's other matches that we want to talk about. So the first match is. Joaquin Buckley and Alicia Del uh, Chirico. I think that I'm pretty sure I'm not butchering his name, but uh, yeah, the reason that these all these cards are so stacked is just because they're going back to Abu Dhabi Fight Island, and it's just so expensive to do it because they had to do kind of like the whole like NBA bubble thing, just for like a month. I think they all finally landed. I think it was uh, like Monday this week. They were all officially there, but. Uh, and all the fights are still on. I don't think any of them got canceled because of COVID, other than the ones that have already been canceled. I think everyone that's on the card now is officially going to be fighting as long as nothing crazy happens in that short time. But, uh, yeah, that first one, Joaquin Buckley and uh, Chirico, that fight, I don't really know too much about Chirico. I know more about Joaquin Buckley just because he really uh, made a name for himself in his last fight. Uh, got, I'm, I'm, he got nominated for fight of the year, and I'm pretty, I don't think he won knockout of the year, but he got nominated. If he didn't win, he may have won, but, uh, he's that one that, the guy caught his first kick, and then he jumped up in the air and spun and kicked him in the head. Uh-huh. Uh, so, that should be a fun one to watch. And then go to, yeah, the next one, uh, the co-main on that card, Carlos Condit, Matt Brown. That's another really good fight. It's one that like should have happened about five years ago, maybe even earlier. But uh, they just either because of injuries or the way that their rankings were at the time, it just never seemed to happen. It was one of those like mini dream MMA matches that never happened. But it's finally going to happen. Uh, I still think they both still have that killer instinct that they had when they're young. Uh, Carlos Condit's making... Uh, he made a comeback. I think it was a few a few months ago that he hadn't. It was a few years that he hadn't been in. He came back, won, so he got the Matt Brown fight. That should be good. Um, so who do you have in this fight? I think uh, Matt Brown. He's been he's he's been in. He's still been fighting. He's not had those years off, and he's. Uh, I mean, he's not looked like anything exceptional. Uh, or like more than he usually does, but he always looks good. But so does Condit, so it should be a really close and good fight. But I'd say Matt Brown comes out on top in that. And the main card on that fight night is Max Holloway and Calvin Qatar. Yeah, that is a really big fight. Uh, Max Holloway, highly regarded as the featherweight goat. 
the best of all time. Uh, it was Jose Aldo. Uh, even after Connor got him, everyone always would say it was a lucky shot. Uh, but then Max came in to the featherweight division. Connor did beat Max at featherweight, but that was a very young Max, different. Uh, wasn't the same fighter then. It would be. A, I would love to see that fight now, but it would have to happen at lightweight if that was going to happen. But he uh, he recently rematched for the title again, but he lost it. I think it was uh, sometime sometime the year before last that he lost his belt to Alexander Volkanovski in a very close match. Uh, it could have went either way, but they gave it to Volkanovski. He took the belt from him. But so, in the rematch, uh, I think Max Holloway clearly won. I think he got robbed in that. Like, he should be the champ. But you're not going to get two rematches in a row. So he's having to fight another opponent. But he is still ranked the number one contender. So what's his... Uh, what are Holloway and Qatar's fighting styles? Um, Qatar is a pure boxer. He's just going to take your head off. Same thing with Holloway. Uh... Biggest difference is Qatar is he's got a lot of knockout power. He's he can sleep you in the pretty quick. Holloway's a lot more of a volume striker, uh, but he's got a chin of steel. No one's no one's really put him out yet. It that should be out of all the fights that lined up for January, that should be one of the best ones. All right, and then the second UFC fight night is on Wednesday, January twentieth, and it is. Chessia, Michael Chiesa, Chiesa uh, and, versus Neil Magny. Yes. Yeah, that's um, this card isn't really all that good, uh, other than this this main event, and that's mainly because this was originally the co-main, but the main event was originally Leon Edwards and uh, Kamzat Chimaev, which was a fight that they've been trying to make for a few months now. Leon Edwards is ranked something uh, like number three in the welterweight division right now, I think. Uh, Kamzat's coming up because last year had a huge breakout year, was fighting at both welterweight and middleweight, uh, was just sleeping everybody. Uh, so that's a fight. They're both dynamic strikers, but Kamzat's definitely got the, uh, the advantage when it comes to wrestling. But he, they both had COVID at one point, so they're not both fully recovered. So they just want to make sure that they're both ready before they make that fight. But Kiesa and Magny should be a really good fight. Uh, Magny's always fun to watch. He's pretty diverse on pretty much on anything uh, that you can do. Kiesa's a little bit more of your traditional wrestler. He's going to be shooting for the takedown. Uh, but I think Magny will catch him on his way in. I think Magny's coming out on top in that. How many rounds do you think this will go? Uh, Kiesa and Magny... If it is scheduled for five rounds, which I'd say it is, if it is the main event and it is on Fight Island, I'd say that that, that one goes at least three rounds. Alright, and then the card that a lot of people have been talking about because there has been a lot of talk because they're both really good UFC fighters is on Saturday, January 23rd, and it's Poirier versus McGregor, and there's also... And one or two more pretty big fights yeah, the on the co-main is another really big fight. Uh, that one, other pe- if you're not like a hardcore MMA fan, you're not gonna understand like the uh, like the magnitude of that fight. But Michael Chandler, he's the lightweight champion over at Bellator, was a very dominant champion over there. Um, 
UFC, Bellator, any of the other ones, they're always talking shit back and forth on who's better. But it's pretty much regarded, and everyone really knows, that the UFC has the best talent pool overall. Uh, but Michael Chandler thinks that he can stand up and be the best, so he was really just looking to make leave a legacy and make a name for himself because he's, he's in his later years. He's If he wants to leave that legacy and be regarded as one of the greats, he's got to do it now. So Dan Hooker and Michael Chandler, have they fought before? Uh, no, not them. They have never fought before. But uh, Dan Hooker, he's a mean kickboxer. Uh, he recently had a match with Poirier, the guy in the main event. He lost that. Uh, very close. Uh, he was hanging in there with Poirier for the most of it. Just wouldn't go down. He's got a chin of steel. Uh, but Michael Chandler's a, a very, very good wrestler. I don't know if Dan Hooker has the takedown defense to stop that. So it's a three-round fight. So Michael Chandler is used to fighting five rounds in championships. So he's going to have the stamina. He's going to come out there. He's going to pin him to the ground. He's not really got to do anything as long as he controls him. He can get the the judge's nod. So the only chance Dan Hooker really has is to either take him out early or to yeah, stay off the ground. He's either got to knock him out or stuff the takedown because Michael Chandler doesn't have a chance in hell standing up with Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker's long, he's a great counter-striker, uh, and he's not afraid to stand and bang with you. So Michael Chandler is going to have to go for the takedown, but and I, th I think that'll happen. I think Michael Chandler, he, he, he's really hungry for the UFC belt right now. Uh, and then the main event that everyone's been talking about is the McGregor versus Poirier. So what are your thoughts on this? I'm a big Dustin Poirier fan. Uh, I I really hope that I think he's gonna get the the belt this year. Uh, he's he this fight has happened before. This is the second one. Uh, they fought originally at featherweight, which is 145, 10 pounds lighter than what they're fighting at now. Uh, is lightweight. They have, both are definitely better at this weight. Uh, they both look better, uh, have a lot more stamina, strength. It just they were obviously depleting themselves to make that 145. Uh, since moving up to lightweight, I think like Poirier has been uh, a different animal. Both and both in the last uh, the last five fights, Poirier is. Four and one. McGregor is three and two. He lost to Nate Diaz, but then he he got that back. So it doesn't really that loss is kind of avenged. Uh, that's another fight that really needs to happen is that that trilogy. But uh, and because they're tied one and one, right? Yeah, they're t both tied one and one. And then he beat after he beat Diaz, he beat Eddie, lost to Khabib, and then he beat Cowboy. Uh, Poirier, I don't remember all of his, but he ha he had three in a row, which one of them was Justin Gaethje, who is now the number one contender, the last guy to fight Khabib. He lost, but if Khabib doesn't come back, it does it only makes sense for Gaethje to fight for the title. Uh, if uh, the the only person that he lost to after that is uh, he lost to Khabib. Which, I mean, that's that's not saying much. I mean, everybody has lost to Khabib. He's twenty nine and zero. And then, just after that, he beat Dan Hooker. 
So they're both coming off of a, uh, a one-fight win streak. They're both really hungry for the belt. Connor has looked insane lately. He looks like the Connor before he had all the money, before he had all the fame. He's looking to make a like he he's this is where he's kind of him and John Jones are doing the exact same things right now. He's on like a redemption tour. Yes, and well, he doesn't have as much of a redemption arc as John does, but they're both realize that their years are numbered. And they got to leave the legacy while they can. So they're both just trying to put their name on it and be regarded as one of the greats. Yeah, I'm not a big UFC guy, but I know like Khabib and I know McGregor. And McGregor, I've been seeing some of his Instagram and some of the quotes he's been making. And he is very confident that he is going to knock Poirier out. And not just knock him out, knock him out in the first 60 seconds. It's just not going to happen. If they're they're both world class strikers, um, both have really good chins. Dustin Poirier a hundred percent has the advantage on the ground. If uh, if the striking goes bad for Poirier, he can always initiate a takedown, get him down there, and submit him. If he doesn't just beat him beat him up from the top position, but I think it's going to be a stand up fight. I don't think Poirier wants to go to the ground with him. I think he wants to knock him out. And it's not going to go long. That's a fight. It's going to be five rounds. I don't see it going past the second round. If it goes into the third round, it doesn't make it halfway through. So you think either way it's ending in a knockout? Someone's getting knocked out. Someone is either getting knocked out or it's like a, a submission initiated by a big hit, like them almost being knocked out and them climbing on top. But it's... It's going to be initiated from the stand-up. Someone's going to get rocked hard before they before that fight's over. I think Connor will win the first round. He's always explosive. If you look at all of his wins... He starts out very oh, hard. Yeah, if you look at almost all of his wins, they're round one knockout, round two knockout. Very few have went very long. Because uh, he just comes out there and he's looking to take your head off immediately. Uh... Poirier's doing the same thing, but Poirier's gas tank is for sure better. Uh, I think I think that they'll both be tired going into that second round. I think that they will just beat each other's asses for that first round, and then it's going to be who can dig deeper in the second round and get the knockout. How long are the rounds in UFC? Five minutes. So if if it's a regular match, it's three rounds, five minutes. If it's a championship match or... Uh, it wasn't always this way, but Dana White made it uh, a few years back that if it's a big fight, like a main event, uh, it can be a five-round fight and not be a championship bout. So, like like I said, I'm pretty sure Max Holloway guitar is a five-round, and I'm pretty sure Kiesa and Magni is as well. But those are both five minutes, too. So, like, you, there's a chance of you fighting 25 minutes, which is outrageous. It does like how people manage to do it for twenty five minutes is insane. Yeah, because Connor, well, Poirier too. He their fights end really quick. So if it did somehow make Poirier it, Poirier has went the distance. Poirier can go the distance. It, it, so if it makes, let's say, but to Connor round has four, went the distance too. It's it would be insane to count either of them out. I think Poirier is going to win, but I'm a Poirier hype beast. So, like. It's, it's a very good chance Connor could win, too. He is one of the best to ever do it. And I think 
Poirier will be by the time like his career is over, will be regarded as one of the best lightweights ever. Uh, but I mean, he's just not there yet. Connor can be regarded as that. What he has done to like to what he did to Nate Diaz, what he did to Eddie Alvarez, what he did to Jose Aldo, Chad Mendez, that stuff is undeniable. But it's uh, it's going to be a really interesting fight. Hi. And those are the three main events for January in the UFC. So now we're going to talk about some other fighting. So Jake Paul beat Nate Robinson in yes. boxing. Sadly. And right after he won, he was getting hyped and everything. Everybody was talking about him. He was all over the news. And he calls out Conor McGregor, which, like you said, is one of the greatest MMA fighters to ever do it. But he is 0-1 in boxing. So what do you think the chances are that it happens? Him and Connor, zero. I don't... I, w- I would bet everything that I own that that fight never takes place. Him and Connor will never fight. It doesn't make any sense for Connor. He... Connor is going to be... Especially right now. His year... Like I said, his years are numbered. He's fighting Poye here. He's already got a boxing match scheduled with Manny Pacquiao, one of the greatest of all time, scheduled for the fall. I don't think it has a legitimate date yet. Um, Just in 2021. And then I'd say that'll be. I'd say that's the end for his boxing career. I think he. I think he thinks he can beat Manny. I don't know if he can beat Manny. That'll be. A, that'll be a fun one. But I think he thinks he can beat Manny, and then that'll be his like claim to fame in boxing. And then it is 100% about getting belts in the UFC, I'd say. I'd say he wants to reinstate himself as a double champ. If he could pull it off, that would, like, he would be, he would be regarded as the greatest of all time. If he could somehow, like, manage to get two belts again, I I think he'll for sure have a belt before he retires. I don't know which one it'll be. Uh, He'll never go back down to featherweight. Uh... If he beats Poirier, he's getting that lightweight belt. But if, but I think Poirier's winning. But what you were the Jake Paul and Connor. Yeah, yeah, that's not gonna happen. But Dylan Dennis and Jake Paul is a little bit more like that's more likely to happen. I don't think that's gonna happen either. Uh, but he, they were talking about him even fighting Ben Askren, which his. He was like one of the best collegiate wrestlers. Fought over and won championship. Uh, he was like eighteen and zero over there. Came over to the UFC. Had a bad go of it. He's that one that got kneed in the face in five seconds by Jorge. Uh, and then he got strangled right after that. So it just wasn't a good go for him. And if he if he boxes Jake Paul, he will get his shit rock because his striking is horrendous. Uh, and you can't take down in boxing. You cannot take down in boxing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that that would be a fun fight to watch. So out of those three th- fights, you think the only one that is plausible is the Ben Askren and Jake Paul? Yeah, because, I mean, like, maybe Dylan Dennis goes for the money, but, I mean, he's doing fine over in Bellator right now. I mean, Bellator's blowing up. Uh, I don't, I think in within five years, I don't think anything will be will ever reach, like, the status that UFC has claimed. I don't think anyone can ever do it unless UFC somehow goes away. Um, 
but Bellator will be up there at least talent wise, which is always better for the sport. I mean, we need more of them. The the more it gets out there, the better. Uh, more places for people to go, make money. So, what what's your opinion on Jake Paul moving out of L.A.? I think that just shows how focused he is on boxing. Yeah. Well, he. Well, he also moved because he got sued. Yeah. For all that money, was it Mayweather who sued him? Uh, yeah, I think it was Mayweather for libel and defamation. Talking about. What did he say about Mayweather? I thought it would have been Connor, but. I think, I think it was Mayweather. I thought some. I th- I was told Mayweather. I'm not a hundred percent on who did it, but. He did get sued for a bunch of money. And so him moving to Ohio is definitely better for him. It's definitely better for me because hopefully I have to see less of him. But I think I don't think you're going to see him not in the ring anytime soon. Like, that's what he's going to do. I think he's fully in it. Uh, and... I think eventually he may, like he's not he's not terrible at boxing, but he couldn't hop in like into like the WBC or any of those right now and stand a chance. Like he's got a lot of work to do and a lot of experience to get before he can really fight at that high level. Because he's fought what Deji and Nate Robinson and then somebody else, but I don't I don't know his name because but one his first was... one is literally Deji. Yeah, so even though he did look good in the boxing fight, he didn't look great or anything, but he It was also a a Nate Robinson that took that fight half-assed. Yeah, and Nate Robinson, I think, thought it was going to be super easy and didn't think Jake Paul could do anything. Well, Jake Paul and Logan are clearly specimens. Like, they're clearly athletic. Yes. Like, they have athletic ability, and you can get by with that Nate Robinson has that, and he thought that he had enough athletic ability that he didn't need to train as much, and then Jake came out there and did everything right and slept him. I think the funniest part about that fight is 10 minutes before they went out to box, Nate Robinson tweeted and said, I'm doing this for all the NBA players, and then 10 minutes later he was knocked out cold. Yeah, that, and then the second time he got knocked down, the like, they zoomed in on his, the look on his face, you could just tell that he quickly realized that he had no chance, and that he realized that he was going to have to get knocked out by Jake Paul, and everybody in the world was going to have to see it. And I think that's one of the more embarrassing things you could do in life. Get knocked out by Jake Paul? Well, not even that, just being known as one of the... Uh, like a great basketball player, he's five seven, I think. He's won a dunk competition. He's known for being an athletic guy, really well known in the basketball and sports I didn't community. How short he was. And then he goes out and he gets knocked out by a YouTuber that everybody thought was jokingly boxing. And not only that, people hate Jake Paul. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like people hate Nate Robinson more now. Because he got beat by Jake Paul, which made Jake Paul more famous. Well, I'm just pissed. Like, he had the chance that everybody wants to knock out Jake Paul, and he let it slip. Yeah, that was 
But I am excited to see what Jake Paul does. Um, I am. That is one thing. I'm kind of glad that he won because I am interested to see where he goes with his boxing career. Because it, I mean, like five years from now, we may be taught having a completely different conversation. Yeah, in five years, who knows? He could be like twelve and zero, and we'd be like, remember when he knocked he'll out Nate than, Robinson? He'll be more than twelve and zero in that that long. I hope so. But yeah, I don't know how good he is. That's why I want him to fight box Dylan Dennis because Dylan Dennis, I feel like McGregor's too far along. Ben Ashman, I don't think, is good enough. So I think Dylan Dennis would be a good one to see how what how good Jake Paul actually and is. My my other worry is the legality of it. Because so boxing and UFC is ran by commissions, uh, athletic commissions in certain states. So where it happens like there's the Nevada Athletic Commission. Uh, and they're kinda like tyrannical governments. They can kind of just do whatever they want. And but one good thing that they're able to do is that they can not sanction a bout. So they cannot let a fight take place. They have to sanction the fight before it can take place. I don't know, like if they try it, if Connor and him wanted to box, I don't think they would ever let it happen. Connor is a, like I said, one of the greatest UFC fighters of all time. And his only loss is to Floyd Mayweather, which he was able to compete with him in a 12 round boxing fight. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah. Like, they, Jake Paul has three fights maybe. Deji, which doesn't count because it wasn't even professional. His only professional bout's Nate Robinson, isn't it? His only, like, on-air, like, main card fight is Nate Robinson. But he had another one that counts. He's technically 2-0. and So he's 2-0? and Yes. They would never let that fight happen. I don't know, maybe Dylan Dennis, but even Dylan Dennis is a professional cage fighter. Jake has two wins against some random guy that we have no idea who it is. Actually, Could be Joe Blow off the street. <laughs> and then the other one is Nate Robinson. And we that I don't know if that one counts either. Yeah, that was almost like I don't I don't really know what to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> it says Jake Paul he is 2 and 0. He's There's no way Deji counts. No. I don't Because they had think headgear so. on. Because, yeah, it was like a... Because KSI and Logan didn't count the first time. Yeah. They're, they're both only... Uh, they're, KSI's only like 1-0, and, oh, and same thing with Logan's only 0-1. Oh he is two total fights, two wins, and two knockouts. His nickname is The Problem Child. I actually didn't know that. And... It don't say who it was. It don't say who he and fought. Like I said, Joe Blow off. We don't know who it was. He, there's no telling who that guy was. So I don't ever think that that would get sanctioned. Like now, Ben Askren, they may sanction that fight. He is a professional cage fighter, but he doesn't have a striking background at all. So that could be, like that's the only one I could see happening. So moving on from fighting and everything, just. You know, we're going to talk about something you and me both enjoy that we can talk about for this last little segment. If you were on an island that somehow had cable, what are three movies you would take with you? 
See, this is tough because you can't just pick like your top three movies of all time. It has to be three movies that are going to get you through those hard times. Exactly. I'm taking my favorite movie of all time, Django Unchained. That's it for sure. And I feel like I got to take a comedy. But which I don't know what comedy I would take. I would like my favorite movie of all time is Wolf of Wall Street, and then if I took a comedy, I would you would have to take probably Step Brothers. That's what I was thinking. I think I would take Step Brothers, and then my third movie I would take Fellowship of the Ring, the original, uh, the first one of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, to give me a reason to make it back to civilization. So I have to finish the. So you can finish, yeah, because you can't. You can't start one of those movies and not want to finish the rest of them. Like, as soon as the first movie ends, you want to put in the second disc. You're correct about that. I would probably take my favorite actor is Johnny Depp, so I'd probably take a movie that... I wouldn't want to take a movie that I've seen, like, thousands of times, like Pirates of the Caribbean, because then I'd just quote it. Underappreciated Depp films. Yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean. They are underappreciated. Nobody gives them as much credit as they deserve. I would probably take Blow though. I lo- I'm I'm a big true stories guy, and Blow is about George Young if nobody's seen it, and it's he's like the first cocaine smuggler to America, and he helps out. Yeah, like one of the first big ones. Yeah, he helps Pablo smuggle in like fifty percent of the cocaine in America in the eighties. So much coke came into America through that guy. <laughs> yeah, and it's a great movie. You guys need to watch it if you never have, but. So those are probably my three movies: Wolf of Wall Street, Step Brothers, and then Blow. Yeah, I feel like Blow's the dead movie, because like favorite dead movies, Woody and Gilbert Grape. But you can't take that on an island because you're just gonna want to walk out into the water. Exactly. And die. If you take a sad movie, you're already sad. <laughs> so if you watch a sad movie, it's just gonna make you so sad you don't want to be on the island anymore. Donnie Brasco would be a good one to take though. Donnie Brasco would be a good one. I would, I would almost take like Castaway. You'd, you'd your like instructional guide on how yeah, to get off the it island. would be, yeah, it'd basically be like I'm going to watch this movie until I figure out how he did it. And I don't think that's how it works, but I mean, you could try. Like you got all, you got at least if depending on how remote the island is, you have at least seven days. Yeah, like, do you, does that happen anymore? Do, like, people get stuck on islands? Can that even happen? Did that ever happen? <laughs> well, like, for sure, like, back in the day when there was, like, no planes. Yeah, but and, like, the island was probably, like, Australia. Yeah, like, but, like, and there's definitely, well, no, there's definitely, like, just, like, remote islands that you could get stranded on. But, like, legitimately, how long would you be there before someone came along? Exactly. And, like, my question is, like, nowadays, how do you get stranded on an island? Without you, nobody knowing. I feel like you would have to be a dumbass and fall off a cruise ship, or your wife would have to murder you and push you off. And then you don't die and you just float. Yeah, and you just somehow make it to an island. It's kind of like Outer Banks. You've seen that. I've seen that. Whenever he like flaw, falls in the water off the boat and he just s- somehow floats to the island. Yeah, I don't think that that happens. Like in movies when people just wash ashore, does that happen? I don't think I actually like, don't I think dead, that's I know real. dead bodies have washed ashore, but like, what is the likelihood that you survive a night in sea and get washed up on shore just in time to not drown? Exactly, and like most of the dead bodies that wash ashore are like 
eaten most of their body are gone yeah. from like sharks and fish and stuff. So if you're alive, the chances of you not even having a scratch on you from an ocean that nobody knows 80% of what's down there I feel are like, very slim. I feel like the worst way to go, though, would to like just be out in like the water at night and then see all like, the jellyfish light up under you. Just be like, oh. stuck in a field of jellyfish. You're, you're screwed. Like Honestly, I feel like if I was stranded in the ocean, I don't know what I would do because I'm terrified of what's under me. And if I don't see anything, I give up on things very easily. So I would, like, give up. But I wouldn't want to drown because that would be, like, the worst two minutes of my life. I don't know what I'd do. Well, you got to understand that you, as soon as you get in the water, you are now the least adept thing in the water. Everything in the water is better at traversing the water than you are. Like, you're screwed in every sense of the word. Like, you got to think of water like... Like, you got to think of the ocean like outer space. It's the same. It's just aliens in there. It's Basically. Basically. You're screwed. Like, there's nothing you can do about it. If they want to eat you, they're going to eat you. You can't breathe in there. And you can't really see. The sun is on you, so you're just going to be in constant pain after, like, six hours. It's going to suck. I, I wouldn't do it. Eventually, you just have to, like... Just be like, Jesus, take the will. And just... Well, dude, that's all. Like, when we, you know, when we went on the cruise for spring break, that's all I was thinking about. I was like, if I fell off this cruise ship, I'm so screwed. There's literally nothing I can do. Yeah. Like... That's if you survive that big fall. Because you have to, like, land pencil dive. Or because if you smack If you backflop from that far, vertebrae shattered. You, you're done. You have uh, the bends. So, moving on. Elijah's not a big, huge sports guy, but he is a Packers fan. My team, the Cowboys, aren't in the playoffs, but his team is probably going to make the Super Bowl. So I just wanted to ask his opinion on who he thinks the Packers are going to play and who he thinks are going to win. So Packers are winning the Super Bowl. Bold statement. It's Aaron Rodgers' year. Okay. Uh, They're either playing the Chiefs or they're playing the Bills. That's if the Browns don't come out of nowhere. Yeah, I was saying this. The Chiefs are the likely person that we're going to play. and But the Rams game is going to be really good only if Aaron Donald plays, though. Because Aaron Donald, while we're sitting here, was named probable to play. So, But if he didn't play, that eliminates basically 85% of the pass rush the Rams have. So then they just they have to rely... On they'd have to rely on Jalen Ramsey shutting down Devontae Adams and the Packers having to rely on Aaron Jones to run the game to victory. But without Aaron Donald, them running will be a little That's bit a easier. That's Jalen Ramsey can lock him up. That a lot of people, a lot of Packers fans think Devontae Adams is the best wide receiver in the NFL. I think he's and, gonna burn him. And they think he's gonna burn him exactly. I don't think that. I think it will be a. Packers win, but I think it will be relatively close. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. But I would love to have Bills play the Packers for the Super Bowl. That would be awesome, but I think it's going to be the Chiefs, and the Chiefs definitely have the best shot at beating the Packers. I I, I can agree with that. I think so. I think the Saints are going to win this week. I think they beat the Buccaneers. 
And then I think the Packers win, Packers and Saints. I just don't think, you know, they're both top ten in both categories. Packers, I think, are top five in both categories, actually. And maybe the Saints are, too. I don't, I'm not for sure on Aaron's that. Aaron's just a different animal in the playoffs. Exactly. Like, and so is Drew Brees. But the only problem with the Saints is they are bound to get screwed over somehow. They've been screwed over three years in a row in the playoffs. And it's going to happen either this game or against the Packers. So one of the teams, Buccaneers or Packers, are going to get really lucky with a – they're guaranteed to win. Saints will not make the Super Bowl. Yeah, and also, like, not that they have a bad wide receiver core, but Drew Brees does not have the same thing to throw to that Aaron does. And Drew Brees doesn't have the arm that Aaron does. Aaron can sling that ball. And Drew Brees also, he's basically jello now. He can't really, he can't really he move. He just has to take a knee anytime someone's coming at him. Exactly. He's, if he gets sacked, he's, he's in more, there's a more chance of him getting hurt. Rodgers can still roll out of the pocket. Exactly. And uh, on the AFC side, the Ravens and the Bills, a lot of people think the Ravens are going to either upset the Bills or play really, really close. I saw a projection today, and it said uh, that the Ravens are going to lose 27-26. to And I don't think it will be that close. I just feel like the Ravens' defense is good but not that good. And I think the Ravens' offense, they are really good and fast-paced and everything. But I, all it takes is Lamar to fumble the ball twice, one or two times, or fumble once and throw an interception, Which he'll do. and the Bills will win. He'll throw an interception. A lot of people think he will. I hope he does. I hope the Bills like go to the, the Super Bowl. The, that or, like, the Browns are the only people I would be okay with winning the Super Bowl other than the Packers. See, I thought a good idea of mine was if the Browns make the Super Bowl, whoever goes to the Super Bowl on the NFC side has to – they all need to say they got COVID and they have to forfeit the game. Speaking of people getting COVID, that guy I was telling you about, uh, Jared Vell here, the one who was going to be, like, the first guy to play uh, in two postseason games for two different teams, mm-hmm. he's not going to do it. He's got COVID. He was the he's he got, was the tackle. Offensive right? tackle. Yeah, yeah okay. he's uh got he's on the COVID nineteen list. Not gonna be the first one. Man. It's tough. You hate COVID ruining history. You hate COVID ruining history. So my Super Bowl pick, I'm hoping it's the Bills. I think it's the Chiefs. You're calling the Packers. I'm excited. The I think the game starts Saturday afternoon. So that'll be fun to watch. Um, I love football. It's almost over. FCS starts in February, but I'm not going to watch that probably. So it's been great talking to you. Hockey's on. Hockey is on. <laughs> I'm not a big hockey guy. You are a big hockey guy. Go All right. It's been great talking to you, Elijah. It's been fun. Thanks for having me. I hope we get to do this again sometime. I will definitely do it again. All right. See ya. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Pull Up In Here podcast. This was my second episode, and 
I'm still working on some things, but I do feel like this episode is better than my first one, and progress is the only thing you, you can really ask for in this type of stuff. I wouldn't say I'm like good at it yet, but I am going to continue to work on it. Thank you for listening, and I hope you stick around with me. Peace.